0: Good afternoon. Glad to have you guys here. Like Pastor Ryan said, my name is Adam, I'm the executive pastor here. So excited to be with you on this amazing Sunday. How about it's the first Sunday in February? We're already a month into 2020. I feel like we blinked. It's Groundhog Day. So happy Groundhog Day to all my Bill Murray fans out there like me. Yep, if you missed it, um, just so you know, the Groundhog did predict an early spring. So we can, we can get ready. The winter's almost over per the Groundhog Unfortunately, the groundhog is terrible at predicting weather, and he's normally wrong. So maybe we're almost done with winter. I hope that's the case. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Anybody excited about Super Bowl? I know none of our teams made it except David Askew is a huge Chiefs fan. So, so go Chiefs. We'll, we'll give you that. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll pull it off. Um, so I'm going to partake of a whole lot of chicken wings here very shortly. Got some ribs on the way. It's going to be an awesome awesome afternoon. I also saw this morning as I was flipping through the news before we um, did our first service that they're calling today palindrome day. Have you seen this? Today's palindrome day, That it's the first time in over 900 years that this has happened. But when you look at the date, there's a lot of numbers nerds out there. Uh, The date is 202 So it's the same forward as it is backwards, and I don't know what that means, but it's kind of cool. And so whatever I know, it's going to be a really cool day. So here in Florence, excited you guys are here. Would you guys put your hands together for Lawrenceburg, everybody that's at home watching, wherever you are. Glad that you're here. Maybe somebody's watching in San Francisco or Kansas City, and they actually care about the Super Bowl today. I don't know. But we're going to have an awesome day. We are into February. That means that you got to do a checkup on your New Year's resolutions, right? Everybody's going good. You still on track? No? Yeah, me either. I'd actually set a goal. My guy was going to lose 30 pounds by the end of 2020. I thought that was an achievable goal. Really excited and proud to actually update that um, I've only got 40 pounds to go, so that's, that's great. Today's hot wing extravaganza is not going to help, but it's progress. We just got to work towards it. Um, never really good at New Year's resolutions gonna be honest with you. Um, at least when it comes to personally. but here's a church, if you've been here for any amount of time, you know that we've um, we've set a goal or kind of a resolution for a church that this year 2020 is going to be the year of deeper roots and greater fruits, that we firmly believe that God has called us to that. And so there's a lot of changes. There's a lot of new initiatives that we've put forth. Um, you heard Pastor Ryan talk a little bit about Kingdom Builders. You kind of saw the video there. I want to hit it a little bit more because I know many of you maybe weren't here last week and you didn't get an opportunity. So you're, you're hearing that term, but you're not really sure what it means. Um, Kingdom Builders, just like the video said, it's it's a generosity initiative where we as a church have come together, and we just believe we can do more for the kingdom of God, that that it's not just about what happens inside these four walls or at our Lawrenceburg campus, that... That it's not just about us, but that, that Jesus' command in Matthew 28 still rings true for us today, that we're to go into all the world and tell them about the good news of Jesus, that what he's done. And so as a church, we're stepping up in a big way um, from here forward. So this just is in the 2020 thing. This is like a, this is a forever moving forward thing, that we're going to be kingdom builders. And so um, we have made a commitment. We set this goal that for this year, um, as a church, over and above our normal giving, so over and above normal tithes, what you normally bring is kind of that first 10%. We've committed that this year, in 2020, Faith Church is going to give an additional $800,000 to missions in 2020. We're really excited about that. And the cool thing... That I get to kind of update you with today is that after all the commitments came in last week, I'm proud to tell you that we are already almost at $600,000 committed of the $800,000 goal. So thank everybody who stepped up to make a commitment this year. Um, you don't have to, like, write the check today. This is an all-year type initiative, but, but we're so excited to see what happens um, through our generosity when God comes in and, and he shows up, and we get to see what he can do through us, right? So if you missed last week, I'm going to show you this. Um, Back in Next Steps today, there's two things. If you weren't here and you didn't get to make a commitment, uh, we want you to be able to do that. You can go back there. We've got these cards that um, you can say, hey, what can God do through me? What can I commit to in 2020? Whether that's a a weekly gift, or I'm just gonna wait till the end in my business, I'm gonna write one check, whatever it looks like for you. Um, If you wanna see what God can do through that commitment as we reach this globe for Jesus, you can make a commitment. These cards are back there in Next Steps. But also, we want you to grab one of these books, okay? We've got one of these for every single family. And in this book, as you flip through, you'll see some really cool stories of um, what's happened in some of our missions, some stories of our missionaries. Um, But it also shows all the different projects and all the different missionaries that we'll be supporting um, in 2020. So grab one of these, put it on your coffee table. You can, you can see it, leave it out so you can pray for it all year long. Put it next to your Bible so when you're doing your quiet time, like you can pick a different ministry every day and say, listen, today I'm going to pray for this organization um, but we're going to do big things through Kingdom Builders in 2020, and so thanks everybody who's already stepped up, um, and thanks for everybody that's going to continue to step up as we build God's kingdom yeah. moving forward. Today, I'm excited that I get to kind of roll out the second big initiative of 2020. If you've been here for any amount of time, you know that we, um, we talk about connect groups a lot, that we value relationships, that, that on any given Sunday, uh, we have thousands of people that come in and out of our doors, and so we're a really big church And that's awesome. And so for for a time period, you can come here and you can make the decision to fly under the radar, right? That you can come and you can kind of just fit into that that herd type mentality. But we understand that if we really want to experience the life that God has for us, that, that it takes community. It takes connection. That you need to go from the big group down to a little group, okay? You don't need a crowd. You need a circle. And so we understand life change happens in the context of relationship. And so today... As you guys go to leave, whether you exit out either east or west, or you exit out of the kids' building, you're going to see some tables out there, and today we are signing up for Connect Groups. Now, we're doing it a little bit different this go-round because we believe as this um, this call to greater uh, roots and deeper roots goes forth in 2020, we're going to kick it off in Connect Group style um, with a study that we're calling Freedom, right? I don't know, maybe you've heard about it, but we believe That freedom is the reason we were set free, right? That's what scripture says. And here's what I know. I've been doing this a long time. Um, I know there are a lot of Christians out there that talk about eternal life. They talk about freedom. And somehow they think that eternal life happens when you die. That one day we're going to inherit eternal life. The truth is Jesus said that eternal life starts now. Now. That you can experience freedom now. The problem is the church has done a really terrible job in branding Jesus. We've done a really terrible job of showing the world what God really looks like. And so for so many people, and maybe you're one of them, so many people view God as this far off being, right? That like you see the cartoons that all you can see is like his foot and we're like ants up next to his toenail, right? And and he holds lightning bolts and every time you screw up, he's just waiting to throw one at you. Right, He's got this big old Bible that he can't wait to just beat you over the head with. And it's just not true. And so freedom, as we go through this course, we want every single person that calls Faith Church home, whether you've been here for a week or you've been here for 50 years, we want everyone to go through freedom because it will change the way you not only see yourself, but the way you see God, and that will impact everything. So we're going to talk about that more in the message today. But listen, before you leave today, I want you to go stop up and sign up for a freedom group. Here, two things I want you to know, right? And don't let this scare you off, but I want you to know this. Um, freedom groups are a 12-week commitment, right? 12 weeks of every single week, so that I know it's time, it's commitment, it's 12 weeks. If you sign up for a group, I'm going to ask that you be committed to it, right? We do have limited spots available, so if you go sign up and you decide to roll out after two weeks in, that means you just call somebody else a spot, okay, It's a commitment, but we know that scripture tells us in Jeremiah 29 that if we will seek God with our whole heart, He promises that we will find Him. So if you need to, if you need to go to a different level, here's what I believe in 2020. I believe this is the year that some of you are gonna experience God like you've never experienced Him before. That that you're gonna go to a whole new level in your walk with Him. You're gonna hear Him more clearly, that you're gonna have eyes to see God in a different way in 2020, but that's gonna start. freedom. So before you leave, stop at one of those exits. We'll have a team out there that can get you signed up, answer any questions that you have. We're so excited for freedom. Do not miss out on that. But today we are closing out, like Pastor Ryan said, week four of Eyes to See. That's kind of how we've launched 2020. That's that's the first step. And so today um, we're going to finish that up. If you've been here for the last few weeks, you've heard us kind of take a couple of statements throughout this um, entire series that we've sort of based this this series around. You've heard Pastor Steve say it. I'm going to say it again. Um, if you're taking notes and you haven't been here, write this down, that, that your eyes can be fine, but you can still be blind. That you can have perfect 2020 physical vision, but that you can miss so much of what's happening in the world around you. You can miss so much that God's got going on in your life if you only focus on what you can see. Because the second thing we've said all throughout this series is this, that there's more to see than the physical eyes can perceive. That there's more out there. And if we get so caught up on what we can physically see, you'll miss so much of what God really wants you to see. I want to take a look at this picture, try to illustrate my point a little bit. As you look at this picture, what many of you'll see is is a, a rocky coastline, right? You'll see a body of water, you'll see some pretty trees, and um, for many of you, that's all you'll see, right? It's a pretty picture, it's, it's nice, but it's all there is, right? Well, no, it's not. Because if you actually understood what you were looking at, if you really had a vision for it, what you would know is that this site, this location, is actually the location of the longest ongoing treasure hunt in the history of the world. For over 200 years, men and women alike have flocked to this location in search of a treasure that they believe is there, right? If you watch the History Channel, you probably by now know what this is. This is is an island off the coast of Nova Scotia called Oak Island. There's a TV show on the History Channel that, that has sort of followed and chronicled this last several years of this treasure hunt journey. But it's been going on for over 200 years. Six men have literally died in search of a treasure that they believe is on this island. Now, if you just look at it, it just looks like Just looks like a piece of property, like you could go out to the Tennessee River and spot that, right? But you see, for for some people, they see so much more. If you're taking notes today, write this down, that sight is a function of the eyes, but vision is a function of the heart. You see, for some people, they have this vision of what that island's gonna be, and they've given their lives, literally, to what they can find there. You see, to a certain point, we're all treasure hunters. We're all looking for something. You may not be spending your life or giving your energy looking for for buried treasure, gold and silver, right? For many of the people that that have given their lives to Oak Island, they believe that, um, that that is the location where the Knights Templar buried their treasure once they had to leave and flee England. So there are people that truly believe that like the Holy Grail, the cup that Jesus himself used in the Lord's Supper, they believe that the Holy Grail is right there on that island somewhere that it's buried. And you can go research it if you're a nerd like me and you want to see, but there's a whole lot of whole lot of stuff that's been found that almost corroborates that story a little bit. Many people think it's um, that it's native in some degree, whether that be Mayan or Aztec, that, that as the Spanish conquerors came in and forced those natives out, that they had to, to relocate their treasure and so that there's an untold amount of wealth there from them. Many people believe that um, on Oak Island, that that's where um, the original transcripts of all William Shakespeare's original works were found and buried. Right? That's kind of special. All of which would be priceless if they actually found it. The interesting thing is that for 200 years now, people have been looking for it, and guess what they haven't found? Treasure. But they still. Look for it because you see sight is a function of the eyes, vision is a function of the heart and, and whatever it is about that place, that thing they're searching for, they believe that it's found there and they've given everything to it. Today we're going to look at a story of a guy back in the Old Testament who had, who had given his life, who had kind of set his eyes upon this thing that he believed was, was his source, but we see as we kind of dive into this story that he realized that it wasn't what he thought it was in the beginning. We're going to be in the story of Isaiah today. We're going to start reading in chapter 6. Many theologians believe that the story we're going to read is Isaiah's conversion, that this is kind of when Isaiah got saved. Um, many theologians don't necessarily think it's his conversion, but it's actually just when he got called, that he went from just being a normal person to God calling him to be a prophet. Um Either way, whatever happens, we understand that this moment in Isaiah's life is extremely significant. That everything about who he is as a person, everything about how he interacts with the world around him, everything changes in light of what happens in this story. So we pick up Isaiah chapter 6, start reading in verse 1. We're told that it was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. Isaiah says he was sitting on a lofty throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, these heavenly beings, heavenly creatures, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces, with two, they covered their feet, and with two, they flew. They were calling out to each other Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. He said their voices shook the temple to its very foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. See, Isaiah saw the Lord. Now, it's interesting to see how this begins to tell us when he saw the Lord. See, it opens up saying that it was in the year King Uzziah died. Now, to understand the full gravity of that statement, you have to understand who Uzziah was. As you look back through the chronicles of history, you see that that Uzziah was one of the most well-known well-liked and appreciated, he was a revered king in the history of Israel, specifically in the nation of Judah. As you look back, Uzziah, you can kind of read his story throughout the book of 2 Chronicles. There's a portion there that, that tells his story, but Uzziah took over um, leadership of the nation of Judah at 16, he was 16 years old when he became king, right? So many of them, we get nervous when we give 16-year-olds a Nissan. right? They gave him a nation, he begins leading these millions of people at 16. But he was, he was brilliant. He led the nation for over 52 years as their king. And during his reign, the, the nation of Judah saw more financial success than they'd ever seen before. They were prospering in every possible way. Crops were doing well, right? Physically, they had everything that they needed in those days, they did have outside enemies, right, that you read all kind of through the Old Testament. Primarily for the nation of Judah, you had the Philistines and you had the Assyrians. During the reign of King Uzziah, neither none of their enemies were ever able to, to threaten the people in any way because Uzziah himself was a military genius, right? He, he had this ability to lead and win that that no one in the nation had to fear outside attack because they knew they couldn't take Uzziah out. He was, he was too much. And so the people revered and loved King Uzziah. We're told this, 2 Chronicles chapter 26 and verse 5 says that Uzziah sought God during the days of Zechariah who taught him to fear God. And it says, and as long as the king sought guidance from the Lord, God gave him success. See, Uzziah was their treasure. He was their source. He was their provider. He was everything that they needed. But when you dive into the story, what you see is that there came a point where Uzziah was gone. Uzziah died. And the people who had put all their trust and all their faith in this man, all of a sudden they found themselves in a vacuum where everything they built their life on started falling apart culture began to, to deteriorate the people began to fear the economy began to drop you see a son took over leadership of the nation but everyone knew that his son wasn't half the leader that Uzziah was that he wasn't capable of leading the people those outside enemies that had been held at bay for the better part of 5 decades all of a sudden they got real bold because they knew that the one who had held them at bay for all this time he's gone now's our chance now's when we attack Because now we can take them over, and the people of Judah began to become terrified. They feared for their lives. They feared for how they would provide for their families. Everything that they built their lives on began to fall apart. As we start today, I want you to ask yourself a question. You don't have to be honest with me. You only have to be honest with yourself. I want you to ask yourself, what is your Uzziah? What's that thing in your life that you've looked to as your source of comfort and peace and joy, that that's the thing, like he's got it? What's what's that Uzziah in your life? Because how you see that thing will determine how you see everything else in your life. Is it your job, right, your financial health, your 401k, your your influence. My wife and I, we've got got three boys. You've probably heard me talk about them before, but our oldest two, we've got twins who are almost 12. They'll be 12 in two weeks, and we've made it to the point that, like, teenage stuff is kind of becoming a thing, right? And, like, I was a cool teenager. I still remember being a teenager, even though I don't look like it, and so, like, I honestly, like, I've heard, the, I've heard the parent stories, right? Y'all hear those, right? Like, man, parenting teenagers is hard. Like, it's tough. Like, this, you know. And I'll be honest, I wasn't too worried because I guess I thought I was a better parent than you. And <laughs> i sorry, I did. And, and now that we're starting to kind of, like, girlfriends have kind of become a thing now, right? And peer pressure is becoming a thing that you're trying to, like, lead your kids through and how... And it, like it's hard for real, like it, it's difficult. I get it now. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> Forgive me. But I wish I could tell them like, listen, I've been where I've been where you are, and like I've seen how you see, and like the things that you think matter, they don't really matter that much. Like I understand they matter in light of, of seventh grade and tenth grade. Like I get that it's a big deal now, but if like you could see from here, like, it's, it's really not that big of a deal. Wish I could get them to buy in that, like, those things that you don't think matter, those are the things that really matter. Like, worry about that. Don't, don't worry about that. But it, I also remember when my parents told me the same thing, and I didn't listen then either. So I'm like, okay, how do, I, how do I do this? How do I get them to see what they need to see so that they don't put their faith and their trust and their, their self-worth in something that doesn't really matter? It's hard try to tell them, like, listen, dude, like, I, I've, I've been where I've given my life and everything that, that I wanted to do. I've been the guy that chased popularity, and I've been the guy that got it, right? I was class favorites from ninth to twelfth grade. I was Mr. Blank High School. That was me. I, I wore the crown. I was, I've won championships in sports. I've done all those things, and guess what? None of y'all look at me today, and I'm not wearing a crown, and I don't got no rings on So y'all don't care that my name is hanging in rafters at my school. You don't care. Because guess what? It was a big deal, and it it was fun, and it was a great experience. But in light of now, guess what? It doesn't matter. Many of you teenagers play at the school that my name's hanging in the rafters, and you've never even seen it. Right? But yet you worry, and you you give your entire life to these things because you're like, that's it. It's just not. And, and so that we adults don't think that we get to pick fun at teenagers, like we're the ones that are Uzziah, the thing that we point to, it's our job, it's our success, right? It's our money. What's my bank account looking like? What's that stock market doing so, so that I can put my trust in that? Be honest. Like I've, I've been at that place in life where my wife and I, when our kids were born, like I've had the, I've had the WIC checks and I've, I've had Medicaid where I had to, to go up and I couldn't afford to buy the diapers and I couldn't afford to buy the formula. So I had the checks that I had to go up and I'd make a round a few times around the grocery store, right, so that I didn't have to check out with somebody that I knew because I was like, man, like I feel so ashamed because I can't provide. So I've been there, but we've also been to the place that we've made six figures and I was the number one salesperson on the team and I hit all the goals and did $18 million in revenue and like I've had that side too and I'm here to tell you, that God didn't change when I was at the bottom and he didn't change when I was at the top. He didn't change when I was popular and when I was unpopular. It it didn't matter. Because you see, just like we see in Isaiah's story, once Uzziah was gone and the king that was on their throne disappeared when they looked up, what they saw was that the real king, that king of kings, he was still there. He hadn't moved If you're taking notes, write this down. When you get a proper vision of God, he always gives you an upward view of himself. Isaiah said, I saw him and he was high and he was lifted up. You get caught up in the situations and circumstances of your life and we we start looking left and right and many times it causes us to hang our heads that we begin to look low. And what we see in Isaiah is he says, listen, you got to keep your chin up. You gotta look up because the king's still on the throne. Uzziah might be gone, but God's still there. So when you answer that question, that what's the Uzziah in your life? The next question you have to ask yourself is, well then how do you see God based on who your Uzziah is? Do you really see God as all powerful? All knowing that He knows every single detail about your life? Do you really believe that God is sovereign? That means he is in complete control of every detail in the universe, that he is the one that set it on its foundation. He's the one that started everything into motion. He's the one that keeps everything in motion. For you, be honest with yourself, do you really believe that about God? Because if you do, it changes everything about how you see everything else in your world. If you really believe that about God, you don't have to worry You don't have to fear. There are no sleepless nights, right? All it is is hope. All it is is joy. Paul had that. When I'm in a prison, I'm going to celebrate and worship because God's got this. And when I'm out and I get to preach, I'm going to do that too. He said, if you kill me, it's Jesus. If you don't, I'm going to preach Jesus. I'm good because he understood who was on the throne of his life. And it wasn't an earthly king. It wasn't a job or a position. It was Jesus. When you get a proper view of God, he'll always give you an upward view of himself and it changes everything about you. That when you get that upward view of God, right? Once you have that vision of him, then he will always then flip it and he'll give you an interview view of yourself. Yeah. That's what happens in Isaiah. Look, keep reading, pick up in verse five, chapter six. It says, then Isaiah said, it's all over. I'm doomed for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. He says, yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. He says, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal that he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. You see, once that upward view became an interview then what Isaiah saw was that he was broken and we're told that he confessed that brokenness. He said, I see myself possibly for the first time ever and I understand that I am unclean, that I am not worthy of this. And when he saw that, all of a sudden, everything changed. See, there's a lot of ways that you can see yourself. There's a lot of things that will show you who you are. I see it all the time. I'm a people watcher. I like watching Observing, see people, and they'll walk by like a storefront window. They'll look up. You know, you can catch your reflection in the in the mirror, in the window. It's not necessarily made to be a mirror, but you can still see yourself, and I see you. You'll you'll just be walking by and you'll do the you'll do the glance. You don't like some of you just stop and straight stare, right? But some of you do the walk by and it's just like and then you act like you didn't, but you do. You can see yourself in a lot of ways if you're like an outdoorsman. Have you ever walked up to like a calm, like a creek or some type of body of water and you look down and you can see yourself? It's kind of crazy, right? The interesting part is there's a lot of different things that you can use to see yourself, but they all show you different things, all depending on how clear it is. Growing up, I'll never remember a time where my mom um, of course, we always had like mirrors in the bathrooms, right? Like y'all got mirrors, and but I understand that we all have these lights now when you like when you do real estate and you got houses. Like it's it's not about function; it's about fashion. So like it's a pretty light fixture. I know I can't see anything because it's not about actually giving me light. I just like the way it looks. And so in our bathroom, like you can't really see like a ton, but like you can see enough. And there's some mirrors that you can look at yourself, and I'm like, okay, I look pretty good. I like this. All y'all got up today, and before you left the house, you looked in a mirror and were like, yep, that's good, and you left. Every one of you, right? But my mom, I remember growing up, and she had these special mirrors. I don't know if y'all ever seen these things before. I borrowed this one. I don't know if you've ever seen these mirrors, but, but it's not just any mirror. It's like a special mirror. And when you look at it, it's got this magnification power. Y'all seen these things before? It's got a power to magnify what you see. And it's not just that it has magnification, but there's this light that comes with it. And when you look at the the thing with magnification powers in the light, all of a sudden you see yourself very differently. (laughs) And you look and you realize, like, whoa, I've got way more gray in this beard than I thought I did. I've got huge pores. I thought I had taken care of the unibrow, but I clearly did not, so that's going to get taken care of later. It's bothered me all day, to be honest. But you see, when you see yourself in the light, you see things differently, you see yourself differently, and all of a sudden, I got a different revelation of who I am based on what I see here than rather what I see in a standard mirror. You see, everything's different based on what you see. Light changes everything. Jesus said this in John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more, and he said, I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. We all want life. That's the treasure we seek. We all want life and, and life to the fullest. Jesus said we could have it, and then we live our entire lives searching for it when he's told us where we could find it. He's already put an X right on the spot. You know, we search for it and we strive for it. Isaiah looked down and he's like, I'm a sinner. Now that I, I've got this upward view of God, he's, he's given me this inner view of myself and I, I get I am, I'm broken. And scripture tells us that he confessed what he saw. He said, I'm unclean. I'm not only unclean, all y'all are unclean. That's what he said. He said, I'm a man of filthy lips among a people with filthy lips. And then we're told that when he confessed, that's when the seraphim came and he grabbed the coal. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says that if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. That's what Isaiah experienced. That once he got that upward view of God and it gave him an inward view of himself, then he was able to see that God had a plan the entire time to purify him, to make him clean, to make him be able to live the life that he always wanted, to experience all the things that he wanted. That it wasn't Uzziah, that he didn't have to worry that that king was gone because this king is still there and he's the source. And then now Isaiah's not living a life that he's, he's arrogant and proud, that, that he somehow builds himself up to be something that he's not. He carries himself differently. Love what Matthew 5, 3 says. This is in the Amplified Bible. Matthew says, blessed, that's spiritually prosperous, happy and to be admired. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That's those devoid of spiritual arrogance Those who regard themselves as insignificant, blessed are those people for theirs is the kingdom of God both now and forever. See, don't get so caught up on the forever that you miss the now. That God's made a way for you to live in the life now, that you can experience freedom now because of who he is, not because of who you are, not because how good you are, how good he is. When he saw God, It changed how he saw himself. When he saw himself and what God has done in his life, then all of a sudden what we see as we read this last verse is it changed his view of God, it changed his view of himself, and then ultimately it changed his view of other people. Look at Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Isaiah says, Then, after I saw God, and I confessed after I saw myself, I saw the plan that God had for me. He says, then, I didn't just see. He says, then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here I am. Send me. Everything changed in Isaiah's life because his view changed. He had eyes to see now. And what happens is that upward vision leads us to inner vision and that will always lead to outward vision. That's the path of a Jesus follower. That's the path of a world-changing kingdom builder. That's the path of a disciple. But I saw who he is. He showed me who I am and what he's done for me. And the only reasonable response to that is for me then to see the world differently. And as we are going into 2020 and as we close out this series, I'm here to tell you that some of you need eyes to see God. You've looked at him wrong. You've believed things about him that just aren't true. And I pray that today, maybe for the first time ever, he would give you eyes to see who he really is. That he is high and he's lifted up. That he's always been on the throne of your life. That he's always been in control. He's always been faithful. For some of you, you, you've had a view, like you've you've seen who God is. But for some of you, I'm gonna be honest, you need to get a view of yourself. Because you think you're better than you are. And you've got a haughty spirit and a pompous attitude and you you carry yourself like you're somehow God's gift to everybody else. And you need to see who you are, not in light of other people. We don't compare ourselves to others. We compare ourselves to him. And when that light shines, right? When you see it under the magnification of him, wow, God, I need you. Don't let this rely on me because I can't do it. Some of you need that inner vision today. Some of you, you've lived your life for 50 years as a Christian. You've come to church every time the doors are open. You put a 20 in the plate. You do the Christian life. But some of you have never had that outward vision you've never got to the point in your life where you understand it's not about you it's not about what you can get from God you have Christians that, that chase some Holy Spirit high they jump from this service to that service, this church to that church just so they can see what they can get out of it and they never take that leap to say God what do you want to do not just in me through me, that there is an entire world out there that is lost and dying without the knowledge that you have. And you need to say those words of Isaiah, God, here I am. I'll go on that mission trip. I'll be a kingdom builder. I'll make a sacrifice so that other people can experience the freedom that I've experienced in my life because it's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's about who you are and what you've done. 2020, my prayer for you is that you would have eyes to see. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here and you know that you need to see God, at some point this year, you need God to show up so that you see him in a new light. If you're here and you know that, that you need direction, you don't just need to see God, you need to hear his voice. Maybe for the first time in a long time, maybe for the first time ever. You need to hear God. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you, wherever you are. Say, God, I need to see you. I need eyes to see. I need to see you. I need to see myself. God, give me eyes to see other people. God, I pray for every single hand that's lifted up, Father, that represents a heart, God, that understands our need for you. God, show yourself to this group of people God that you are faithful and true God that you are sovereign and in control Lord that you are our source that you are our strength that we don't have to rely upon ourselves God because it is you you are our everything God speak clearly in this house today use us as a people to carry this message to the ends of the earth because you are worth it God give people peace and hope today that maybe they haven't had in a long time. God, give us grace because we are broken and we need you. It's not about us, Lord. It's all about Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.